Thank you. It is with great honor and humility that I present to you Ms. Immaculate Illa Begiza. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, thank you. It is really a huge honor to come to, to share my story with you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very thankful to the pastor of this church for opening the door and inviting me and uh, all the volunteers, everyone, for my host family, Jim and Jane. I'm very happy to be here. Truly, I feel like uh, I'm in a family. I am, uh, I'm visiting my friends, and I have many here. As you saw in the documentary, I lived through a terrible experience of the genocide, but it was an experience that taught me so much about life, lessons about life. I don't know how otherwise I would have learned them. And one of the big lessons I learned was to understand the importance of forgiveness and to understand and feel how possible it is actually in every situation. I used to think you forgive somebody who has said something bad about you and maybe who took a pen, my book away the time of the genocide. I was a student in college. So the big thing you can do to me, who took my pen, you know? And I would think about forgiving you until I went through the terrible experience of actually hating. Maybe you hate one person. I hated eight million people, the whole other tribe. And the more I had reason to hate them, the more I felt pain in my body. I would have a headache out of anger. The things I thought I can do to them so that I can revenge my family, my tribe. Then I will have a headache and I will have a stomachache. My body will ache and I will think, well, this is what you go through when you, you have, like, what is going on happen to you. And I remember a moment I asked God, help me. I wish I was innocent again. I wish I can see good in people. It was much nicer. I can feel good about myself, even just in my body. And I'm truly here to say, God does listen to prayers. When we ask, we do receive. I never thought forgiveness would happen, but a moment came when I can feel a good feeling. Freedom. Freedom to love people. Freedom to, to take a distance. If I see an individual who is not good, but not hating people, and everyone are wanting to do bad to them, how did I come to do exactly what they're doing to me, and I don't like it. I don't like their hatred. I don't like they tried to kill me, and yet I was planning to do the same in my anger. And I felt freedom. I felt peace. Oh, it was a new day. Another big lesson I learned was the importance of love. In few words, maybe I would say, of listening to our, our Lord. When he told us that love was the greatest commandment, love God above 
who is unchangeable, always there, but love one another, he really meant it. I mean, many times during the genocide, I would sit and say, okay, let me try to get to the bottom of this. What exactly went wrong for this to happen? Because this is too bad. Who would ever want to cause such pain into the whole country? And the only answer I can come to was we failed to love one another. We failed to care for one another. If only we could have loved one another, a genocide would not have happened. And then I would think, so what could I have done? I mean, I must say, have a say into this whole thing because it's affecting me. Maybe if I would have prayed enough because that's all I can do, that I can really do something. And of course, my action, but only if I have loved enough. I realize that I can't change anybody. I can only change me. And that is what it is about love. We can only change ourselves. We can't change another person. And the more I try to be that loving person, forget about others, let me think about myself, I realize also how hard it is. I'm Catholic, like maybe many of you. I go to confession every two weeks, sometimes every week. No matter how much I try to do good, I end up falling. Loving less than I could have done, something I could have done, I could have done better, and then I fall again. So I realized that, let me judge me and try to do the best I can. And to me, that is the goal of my life. What can I, how can I use my strength to build the kingdom of God? Me, and inspire others, but not necessarily look at them like, you didn't do it. It's me. So that was really a huge lesson. And I've been privileged to go around the world, especially to hear people who tell me, your story have touched me. I was able to forgive somebody in my family. One lady I always think about, she told me she was angry with her mom, her mother, for 20 years. She said, after I heard you speak, I went home, I picked up the phone, I called my mom. We laughed and we cried. It was over just like that. She came to find me to another place I spoke to and she said, I wanted to tell you how it has changed my life. And right now, I cannot believe how much affection I wasted from my own mother for 20 years. And that's the grace I pray for all of us. As I said, even when I try to do good, I realize that I can do better and more and more. And I live through new experiences. I have never gone back to what I forgave that time and say, I should not have forgiven. No, really. It was like a healing. Completely, a luggage was lifted and I can see clear. However, today, as a human being who still lives this life, sometimes something new comes, a betrayer. And I find myself wishing sometimes, when I'm off guard, wishing that a person can feel what they made me feel like. And one thing I can share with you for sure, I can never ever be again proud of not forgiving. Anytime I find myself in that mood of feeling like, if only you knew what you made me feel, I say no. 
They don't need to feel what I felt for them to change. I pray for God to help me forgive. If I'm able to let go, God will deal with every human being, every heart. It's not my business to wish anybody to hurt, to feel bad, or to go through what they made me go through. So that was a huge lesson. Another big lesson I felt, I feel I learned was to know without a shadow of doubt that God is real. I mean, we are so blessed, those who have faith. Only those who have faith can really say all things are possible. Many people say like, never give up. There's a time to give up as a human being, <laughs> truly. But with those who believe in God, you can say, you don't have to give up. If you know something is good for you, you can hold on. Not because you can, but because can. God can. And to come to that and not doubt that anymore, it was the greatest gift. So coming back to my story, the genocide started in 1994. It was on April 7th, on Wednesday, one morning, my brother, who had just finished his master's degree, he came to my room, I still remember, like it was yesterday. He pushed the door, he had the jacket on, a belt, and a stick in his hand, and he told me, you are still sleeping. You don't know what happened. I'm like, what happened? Talk quickly. In a second, I thought about a million things. What happened? My dad is sick when I was sleeping. My mom is sick. What about my younger brother? Talk, what happened? And then he told me, the president of the country died that night. I remember it was almost like a clear cut from the past and the future. Our life would never be the same again. And I can feel what it was. And I told him they're going to kill us. And why I can still remember that it was meaningful to me. In Rwanda, we had two main tribes. Hutu and Tutsi. And the tribe that was on power have decided to kill the tribe that was not on power. And what was behind it was really to prevent ever sharing the power. I mean, it was almost like political parties. You know, maybe that's the only way you can understand it here in this country, especially, especially now. Ooh, I don't like it. <laughs> But I don't think we, we are anywhere we can ever go through what we went through in Rwanda. Not at all to scare you. What was in Rwanda, it was prepared for 30 years. The politicians who took over for 30 years, they prepared literally to eliminate the other tribe so that we never have to share the power. And that was behind it. It wasn't about you look different, you are different tribes. What was behind it was a greed of power. And again, if you disguise the same snake trying to make people fight here, it's really about power. So we knew that can happen. We had the radio for two years. Literally, was created by the government to spread hatred among people. To this day, my best friend is from the other tribe. And we talk about what happened. She cried for what happened to me. But the government made it look like everybody hated us. The whole tribe hated us. So for two years, this radio was there. And I remember I used to think, why they are insulting this whole 
our tribe and nobody in the leadership is doing anything to stop it because they have created it. Another thing that prepared us that was actually much nicer was the apparitions of the Blessed Mother, Our Lady. As you know, Our Lady of Lourdes in France, Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal, Guadalupe in Mexico, the Blessed Mother appeared in a place called Kibeho. I wrote a book about this in, in Rwanda in 1981, 12 years before the genocide. And one of the messages Our Lady gave was, a terrible thing is about to happen to your country if you don't come back to God and take your faith seriously. Pick up your Bible. Highlight. Make sure you respect God's guidances. And of course, we didn't listen. She even said once, she said, those who say the rosary, the prayer of the rosary, just those who say it, not new people, if you pick them up and you say them from your heart every day, what is coming will not happen. We will defeat the genocide. Can you believe the power we have in our rosary? We can change actually the future for a country. Even now, we don't have to be scared. We can actually pray and pray for the right thing to conquer. How beautiful to have that. And when Our Lady said this, she said, my message does not only concern Rwanda, not even just Africa. When I appear somewhere, I'm speaking to all my children in the world. So somehow I knew what can happen because Our Lady said, if you don't listen to me and it happens, it will be terrible. So we kind of waited. We will pray, then we will stop. But today, I wish we had listened. But here I am again. Now I'm trying to listen. I try to do my daily rosary and I make sure to pray for this country. So when my brother told me, I thought about Kibeho, I thought about the message, I thought about the radio, and I said, that's it. This is what they have been talking about. I went outside, I met my parents, we put on the radio, and we started to hear that they have already started to kill people of my tribe. Two hours later, BBC radio reported 18 families that were killed. Mom and dad and eight children have been killed. Mom and dad and ten children and grandma and grandpa have been killed. And I remember my father saying, this never happened before where they kill a whole family. But that's why they call it a genocide. And the people started to come home asking my parents what to do. We were in a village. My parents were really, they were loved. And now I can see why they were loved. They always cared about everybody else. You know, they cared about the things we used to speak on our dinner table was a child in a neighborhood who is not going to school. Why are they not going back to school? Mom have to go to talk to their family. My father have to talk to another family. Somebody who is sick, who is not going to see a doctor. Like they really felt like they were responsible in some ways, but it was their Catholic faith, simple faith. Love the neighbor, care for others. And I felt that what they practiced. And with that, I really wish to remind you, please be grateful 
to people you have in your life. Your moms, your dad, your children, your parents, your husband, your wife, your friends, your priests, your you know, co-workers, because you don't know how long they are going to be there. Many times we take each other for granted. We think we will always be there. And I say that from experience. I never thought my parents, my brothers, everybody can go at once and together. You imagine who would die first? No, it can't be, not now. But to go together, it was my worst nightmare to even dream about that. But if I knew what I know now, I would have reminded them so many times how much I just appreciate them and I'm glad they are in my life. My mom was that kind of person who still tuck you in the bed when you are 20. A mom like that, you don't think she would ever go anywhere. She never prepared me. One day I might not be around. I just thought, oh, she knows everything. My dad got everything. He, pre- you know, take care of the family and we, we will be fine. Dad is there. And what? When the genocide started, I felt a little bit mad at them. They didn't tell me that they were not all powerful. They didn't tell me that they can go. They might go. What do I do? Now they don't even know where I am. But of course, it taught me a lot about life. One of the last images I remember of my father, he had a rosary in his hand. And he was speaking to people from different religion, people who trusted him. And he said loud, he said, if it is a matter of a small group that want to hurt us, do not be scared. We will defeat them. And then he said something I will never forget. He said, however, if it is the government that planned this, I cannot lie to you, they will kill us. And I'm thinking, Father, you, you don't tell people they're going to die. And then he said, even if it was a government, let's take this as a chance God is giving us to repent our sins so that we can go to heaven. Because the government have the military, they have the police, they block the borders. So if it is the plan, they will accomplish it. Or it was all planned. But he said, even if it was going to die, let's take this as a chance God is giving us to repent our sins. I was scared that people are going to scream and be scared. But actually, Everybody was quiet. Reconciling with God, with one another, remembering anything they could have done. And truly when I think about it today, with the eyes of faith, how many people who know they're going to die to get a chance to reconcile with God? If we apologize from the heart, God forgives us. Then we don't have to stay in a prison of purgatory for too long. That was the best advice. And actually a good time to be able to, to live. Well, after that, my father came to me. He handed me the rosary he had. And he asked me to go to hide to a neighbor who was from the other tribe and who was a good man. So I went to this neighbor. It was not easy to live. You can imagine. I wrote a lot about this experience in my book, Left to Tell, and Led by Faith. It's equal. But I remember I went to the neighbor and I, he showed me this tiny 
bathroom in his house. Like three by four feet. I mean, I have gone back there. I'm like, this is tiny. Three by four feet. And he told me, sit there. And he left. So as he went before he came back, and I'm looking at this place, I'm complaining. This is too small for me. How do I sit? How do I sleep? Where is the table? Where is... I mean, I'm thinking like, no, this cannot be. Even today when I think about it, it continues to give me a lesson to really be appreciative to what you have because you don't know how long it is. Just be grateful where you are and love it. And I'm, when I, I think about what happened then, <coughs> three days before that, I had a scholarship in college. Three days before that, I had my own room in my parents' home. I had my room in college. Now, I'm in three by four feet. This is how life can change in three days. Well, as I was complaining, the man came back with five more women. Later, he brought two more women. We were eight in three by four feet. That was another big lesson. When you think things are bad, they can get worse. (laughs) Again, not to scare you, but just to tell you, whatever situation you find yourself into, don't look back. Yesterday was good. How dare? How can this be? Just look ahead. What can I do now? What I had yesterday is a gift. Too late. I am here now. What do I do? And most of the time, when we, we take time to point fingers, how dare, how can this happen? Yesterday was better. It's like t- turning around in a tornado. And either you can work through it, or you can keep circling around, and there's no answer. It was, I had to do that many times in that bathroom. It would get worse, and worse again. And then I have the temptation to say, but yesterday, no, it, we are here now. Let's see what we can do now. What is yesterday is too late. So we sat there. The man told us not to talk to one another, not to make any noise. He told his children that he lost the key of the bathroom. So nobody knew that we were there. But we had to be absolutely quiet. He would bring us food like night, you know, one plate, food he took in the garbage. Not that he wanted to give us that, but that what he can afford to find what the leftovers of his children and he would come in the bathroom and give us and run. At the end of that week, I have had so many emotions I didn't even think were possible. I would be angry, bad thoughts, poisonous thoughts, what I can do, how dare, and I would think about I would be a soldier, not to protect the country, which that what the soldiers do, I would be a soldier, and I would fly planes and throw grenades all over the country. Like, I would think about anything bad that can just blow us, all of us, and then kill everybody. That's where my anger was. And I would think, and then my heart would be beating out of anger. My blood would be running faster, and I would be sweating out of anger. And I'm looking at myself, I'm like, nobody's touching me. And yet, look what my thoughts are doing to me. I will come from anger, 
go to fear and I start to think about what they can do to us and the horrible thing I will think about my stomach will ache I will be shaking like fear anger they hurt differently it was like almost like the maximum of it towards that end of the week I thought I'm dying anyway with these emotions I grabbed the man when he came to give us food I asked him to put the radio outside so we can hear what's going on in the country and he was good he put three radios different channels i couldn't believe what was going on in the country the leaders of the country who used to hide behind the private radio they were out on national radio calling everybody to kill everyone of my tribe they reported people who died who ran to churches to stadiums and they were giving prices to people who killed more people and worse for us they gave order to start searching every home you think it was bad to be sitting in that one place being tortured emotionally but to think that somebody is going to come to hunt for you it was a worst pain i've known it didn't take long i remember I was stretching and i saw them through the, this tiny window of the bathroom so they hired 3 to 400 people in every village the government no job was being done in the country every school had been closed every bank every public transportation the only thing being done was killing so they would hire people in every village who would go home by home fed and given money food by the government to see if anyone was hiding so they came for the first time which they did many times i remember i saw them they were dressed in banana leaves they had all kind of arms long spears guns machetes grenades all over and they started to search everywhere this was a house of four bedroom this was a small house there was no basement there was no upstairs simple cut clean cut four bedrooms and two bathrooms the only reasonable thing that was going through my mind was it's over they found us where can i hide that's it and i started to think about how do you die does you sore come out am i going to see my mom my dad if they died am i going to see jesus what is going to happen that was a matter of seconds for them to find you the pain to wait for them to find you it was like a thousand needles are going through my body like fire is burning you but you are not by dying fully and then i started to feel like i had two voices over my shoulders and nothing too strange the things we feel when we are facing a challenge do it don't do it give up don't give up and one voice was telling me open the door and the torture is too bad why wait for them to torture you open and that sounds like me being reasonable however there was another nicer voice another part of me was like don't open the door ask god to help you remember who god is god is almighty do you know what almighty means 
It means he can do anything. Do you know what anything means? It means even if they open the door, they might not be able to see you. Even if they shoot you, the bullet might not go through you. Imagine to be able to have that little hope. No wonder why our Lord said, even if you have a tiny, like a grain of mustard seed, it can be enough. I'm like, oh, you're right. It's possible. It's not too late. Then the bad voice started to destroy my faith even more. Oh, really? There's nothing out there. Do you know how many innocent people dying? There is no God. Where is he? And that all sounds like, you're right, where is he? And I started to get confused. Even if there was God, is it too late to pray? Is he in heaven? Can he come this quick and rescue me? But what about innocent people? Am I different than them? And in this confusion, I can tell you what the spiritual world was about. It wasn't about who is right and wrong. It was mostly about stop praying. Your prayers will be too powerful. Let me confuse you. Let me tell you there's no God. Stop praying. And what the other voice was telling me, it wasn't like, again, I know everything about what is there about God. It was encouraging me. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Keep knocking the door. Don't listen to the voice that says there's no one. In a split of a second, I had to listen to a voice. Not two of them, because they are very contradictory. I had to choose which one. And I remember turning willingly to the nicer voice. And I asked God, with every cell of my body, I wanted a specific sign. Wanted to ask him, can you hear me? And if you can hear me, then you must be there if you heard the words I told you. So I wanted a specific sign that he can hear me so that I'm not confused if it was luck or if it was God. And I asked God with every part of me, if there is anyone who created me, if it is God who controlled my breath, if it is God who put together all this and the moon, the stars, the earth I'm standing on, I am begging you, give me one sign. Don't let the killers open the door of the bathroom. Because if it is about being saved, not die, they can find you and not kill you. But I did not want to look in the eyes. And in my human capacity of thinking, really, four bedrooms, three, four hundred people, missing out one door, impossible. Or if only God wants and I remember promising God, if they don't open the door today, I would know it is you who did it. And I promise you, I will never doubt you again. I, I might not know everything about God. I mean, we continue to grow every day. I continue to grow. But I will not question your existence again. As if I'm about to lose my, weight, my faith. After I asked that, I fainted. I mean it. I mean, sometimes you're like, people faint. That's the only time I can say I truly fainted. For five hours, I didn't hear anything until five hours later, the man who was hiding us, he came and opened the door. I jumped. I thought it was the killers who have found us. I was still like this. And the girls were like that. And then he told us, oh, you are still like this. 
They left a long time ago. And that's when we started to breathe. You know, he told us what happened. He said there were three to four hundred people. They made a big circle around the house, a big number. And then another number went inside the house. In every room, under the beds, in the closets. They went in the ceiling of the house with flashlights to make sure no one is hiding in the ceiling. They went on the roof of the house to make sure no one was there. He told us they even opened suitcases to make sure there were no babies hiding. And then he told us they came right to the door of the bathroom. He told us I was shaking, I was sweating. They could have looked in my face. And then he said one of the killers touched the handle. Before he pulled, he looked at him and he said, you know what? We trust you. You are a good man. You cannot hide these bad people. You are one of us. And he turned around and he left. When he told us that, my excitement, my, I was shocked. But what shocked me was not like, good, we made it. What shocked me was, oh my God, God is real. He's real. As our priests have been telling us, oh, he, I didn't talk. I only thought in my heart. So God can hear me everywhere. Like again, in our church, they tell us, like I didn't know. Shame on me. I have been baptized, first communion, confirmed. I knew all that, but nothing have touched me in a way this touched me. And I remember telling God, from now on, again, I might not understand everything that happens to my life, but at least for now, I know you are there. I asked the man who was hiding us to give me the Bible, and I started to read. Reading like never before. Not to read like, um, you know, to make sure I read the Bible today. I was like, who are you? Why did you create me? I wanted to learn God's character. And I felt like every answer I had, God was answering somehow. I never had apparitions. I dream about God. I dream about Jesus. I dream about Our Lady, but never had apparitions. I wish I can see her in real. Especially Our Lady, whom I love with all my, my heart. So I'm like a confused now. And I started to read the Bible to understand. Who are you? I want to find, why did you create me? I felt like God was answering back. You want to know why you are here? Because I love you. Because I wanted to share with you everything I have. Why do parents have children? You get married, the next thing you can't wait to have children. And look how much trouble we know in the world. You will think, like someone like me, we not want to have a child and bring them in this trouble. But I did. I have children. And I'm like, it's okay. I will teach them how to behave and how to do and how to love God. But you can't wait because love is stronger than fear. And I felt like God was telling me the same. I wanted, I created you knowing all this can happen. But I want to share paradise with you. I wanted to give you all I have if you listen to me. I'm like, okay. I wasn't questioning to like, what did you? It was more like the reason. Why am I here? What is, why? Okay, he created me. That is reasonable to share eternity with, with God, my father. 
Then I'm like, so how long do I stay here? I mean, how long does a human being live? Even if sometimes we, we don't want to think about it. A hundred years, maybe? And how many people who get to that? Then I'm like, okay, good, a hundred. But what about after? Where do we go? I wanted to have a whole map of our life so that I can live with a purpose, knowing who I am. Where do I go? Why am I here? Where do I live to go? And I read in the Bible, I felt again, God is talking back. There is a choice of heaven after this, a paradise or hell. And it's up to you how you choose to live your life here. And I'm like, okay, so heaven, how long is it? I know this is a hundred, maybe. What about after? Eternity. A paradise can be and will be eternity. And I still have a chance to live there if I do good. And I remember taking a pen. I'm like drawing like eternity. It doesn't end. Billions and zillions of years. I'm like, that's long. And then I remember reading in the Bible. I just, I didn't want to know about hell. It's hell. I was in hell already. I wanted to know how is heaven? Oh, I encourage you, by the way, to read about heaven. It is hard to work for a price if you don't know what the price is about. I remember reading like the roads are diamonds and gold. It's all a blaze. You never get older. You never get sick. You are never sad. You never cry of sadness. It's all a blaze forever and ever. I'm like, this is nice. Why do I not put more effort into this? Is much longer compared to this tiny thing on earth. And then I'm like, okay, let me see how I can go here. What do I do? I feel like God was saying again, like, look in the Bible. And I'm reading everything I knew, but I wanted to make sure this time I have reviewed well. And I go through the commandments of God. I'm like, I can do that. I can behave. I can do this. And I think I'm good. Until I started to read a little bit deeper. I remember especially things that really were scaring me. Words, I felt like they were jumping out of the Bible. I would open a page and to say, um, love your enemies. I'm like, no, 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 close that page. <laughs> Only this thing, no, 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 no. My enemies are really bad, so this is bad. And I would open another page. Pray for those who persecute you. I'm like, no, close that page. I don't want to see that. Anything else, not that. And then I would open another page. Oh, it was like torturing me. So if you love those who love you and you don't love your enemies, what good have you done? I'm like, no, close that page. Forgive. How many times? Seven, 70 times. I started to get scared that I might not go to the nice place. I'm like, how do I do this? Oh, I couldn't even have the idea of forgiving. Somebody trying to kill your mom, maybe who already did it, your father, your grandma, your grandpa, everybody you love, and looking for you, and have put you through that. I'm like, how? No, I can't. So I had a better idea. I closed the Bible, and I said, let me just say the rosary. I need to pray for sure, but I don't want that. So for those who know the rosary, you really don't run away from the Bible by going to the rosary. 
Because the rosary is a summary of the Bible. Especially the New Testament. Every event is, you can find them there. You can trace them in the Old Testament. But especially, it's the life of our Lord. It's from the time he was announced to Mary. So I say the first rosary. You know how they tell us, like the rosary, Our Lady is a promise she gave us. When you say your rosary from the heart, you will feel peace. I said, when you, do, when you are okay, you don't feel the big difference. But when you are in hell and you really feel peace, you're like, whoa, what was that? I remember I said the first rosary. It takes like 20, 25 minutes. I finished that rosary for the first time in that bathroom. I felt like I moved from hell to a place of air. I can breathe. I'm like, wow, that feels good. My anger, my fear, everything shut down. The only thing I was thinking about is Mary and Jesus, where they were, Hail Mary. My, my mind was at peace, no more sweating out of anger. And then when I stopped, it was like the bad thoughts were back like a tsunami. Oh, they will rape you. They will cut you in pieces. I'm like, let me say the rosary again. I don't want to think about that. I literally end up saying the rosary all day from morning until night for three months. I counted how many rosaries I said every single day that would take me from morning until evening. I said 27 rosaries and 40 divine mercy chaplets every single day. It took me from 6 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And Divine Mercy Chaplets, they're much shorter, so you can say many. <laughs> so I, it took me all day. And evening, I felt so good. And I would fall asleep. In the morning, I would do the sign of the cross, like fighting from the devil. Like, who comes to my heart first? God or the devil? Because if I took a little time before praying, the bad thoughts will come. Even if you leave, you will be nothing. Living without any family? Is that what you want? You should go out. Commit suicide. I'm like, no, let me just pray. So like everything was showing as if it's horrible and it was kind of true in a human capacity to think. So only peace I will have is praying the rosary. So after time, I've been praying the rosary. I got into it. And the routine kicked in and I felt peace. I started to take advantage on that. And then the bad thoughts started to find me when I was praying. I would be saying, Hail Mary, and I start to think about how they can torture me, kill me, how I will kill them. My fear, anger have found a way in my heart. Even when I'm praying, then something, I'm like, so how do I do this now? You know, have you sometimes prayed your rosary or saying your prayers and in your mind you are cooking for your family? like you're praying but your mind is somewhere else or like you are in a conversation with somebody else and then your mouth is our father who art in heaven I'm like no come back come back so I remember saying what do I do because my thoughts were horrible and maybe our lady maybe my guardian angel I remember something in me said pray with all your heart if you pray with all your heart the bad voice will not find you mean what you say. And hear in your ear 
inside even if you don't open your mouth you can feel you can hear yourself or not hear yourself and mean it be sincere honest with your words i'm like okay good let me start and i remember starting the rosary now this time meaning it by the way i really i i can do this experience every day is like if i want to mean it to another level all of a sudden it's new again i remember just saying in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit do you realize how big that is like whatever you're going to do you just started in the name of our father god and the son our savior and the power of the holy spirit all of a sudden like oh this is i'm in prayer the sign of the cross meant something not like this you know how we do it all of a sudden it's new and then especially i want to share with you everything changed i mean just to say i believe in god my father almighty it was like wow i never thought about that if i knew that to be true i would never have questioned god if he's real but i have been going through the rosary all my life without meaning what i was saying so everything was new but especially i want to share with you only for the time we don't have much time but i want to share with you how the part that inspired me to forgive to let go i've said these words before but never like this i remember starting our lord's prayer our father who art and i'm listening to myself cuz now i have to hear did i just say our father if i mean it it means the father of everybody including the hutus and the bad guys like no he cannot be their father he's only the father of the people of my tribe and the people from outside of the country not them not the killers right there i'm stuck i can't mean it and then something in my heart said think again when we really ask god he answers think about that i started to think and i realized i thought my father had three boys and if one does wrong does my father stop being their father no actually my father as good as i knew him to be i no more good father he will worry about the bad brother than the good one i'm like mm. so if god says in the bible that he loves us more than we love our children what do you think he will do he's sad over his bad children but he loves them and he's a father and god doesn't have to be who i want him to be he is who he is he says in the bible so i had to submit to him okay he's yeah i can get that if he is that father like my dad and even better i can get that and i started again cuz now i get it our father of the good and the bad who art in heaven i'm praying i'm going through those words until i reach this part oh forgive us as we forgive forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us ah couldn't say those words no have i been saying that forgive me as i do 
This is two things. If I mean it, forgive me as I forgive. It means don't forgive me. Not condemning myself. Do to me as I do to others. That's one. If I don't mean it, I am lying to God who looks at me from inside. You can lie to somebody from outside, not the one who looks from inside. And imagine when you lie to a friend. What kind of relationship do you expect from somebody you lie to? Especially if they know you are lying to them. You risk to lose that friendship. So what can I ask God to give me and yet I can't even be sincere to him? And he knows. I'm like, oh no, I want him to be my friend. But I don't want to condemn myself either. Well, I really was left with one option. I had a bad idea. Because I couldn't forgive them, something was like, well, you can skip that part of the prayer. I skipped it, and guess what? I felt so much better. (sighs) I'm not lying to him, and I'm not condemning myself. Anytime I reach that part, I would say, forgive us, not them, and go to the next part. I kept praying that way, thinking I got it. Ah, Now, I feel good. I'm just feeling good. I'm praying all day until night and skipping it until one day. I love God. He's so gentle with us. And our lady, when she was appearing in Kibeho, she used to say, my children, pray with sincerity. Pray with sincerity. She kept coming to that. And then the sweet mother will say, if you don't have sincerity, pray for sincerity. How nice. All we need is to be humble to ask. It's really we don't even have to make it or to feel like we can't. Pray with love, my children. If you don't have love, pray for love. How hard that can be. We are just sometimes impossible. So I felt I skipping in one day. Because I think truly the grace came because I was at least trying to be sincere to God in ways I didn't even realize it. But one day I remember I was about to skip that part. I felt as if somebody was touching my shoulders and was reminding me, hey, I hope you know our Lord's prayer is not man-made. It's Jesus himself who gave those words. If I were you... I wouldn't try to change his prayer. I'm like, oh, what do I do now? Oh, sometimes it's so much better to be ignorant, not to know too much. But now I can't take back that knowledge. And I tried. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe my situation is different. I tried. I tried. What do you tell God? He didn't know. He doesn't know what you can go through. He's God. I mean, I'm ashamed to, this, to say this. It could have been the Pope. I would have found a way to say, well, he's a human being. Sometimes maybe he might not really know. That's why he said, pray this way. Without knowing, I will go through this way. But what about God? What do you do? For the first time in my life, I understood the meaning of surrendering. I went on my knees, put my hands up, and asked our Lord, help me. Help me to mean what you say. You say, pray this way. You are God. I am not. 
You know all things, I don't know all things. If you say so, it has to be so. If I don't know, it doesn't mean it's impossible. How many times we change our mind? But God doesn't change his mind. I completely give it back to him. I put back the prayer. Anytime I reach back to that part, I will remind him I am willing to forgive, but I don't know how. I will say the words obediently because you say pray this way, but I just want you to know I'm not lying to you and I don't even know how to mean it. So this is the truth. I put it there. I felt so much better. So much better than when I'm trying to control it and I know better than you do. Now I'm like, I don't know. You are God. Help me. I kept praying. Be careful of what you pray for. I never thought a time would come. And I will never forget, I was meditating on a fifth sorrowful mystery, a part of the rosary. I'm thinking about when our Lord is dying on the cross, and I took the Bible, I read about everything that he went through. Oh, I encourage you, especially on his sorrow, please think about it. It will be so sad when somebody can say, oh, you, you suffered, you went through, you, cry, you were crying, okay, next. Like, when they come to sorrow, be compassionate to him. Read more about what he went through so you can be, you know, compassionate towards our Lord. So I remember reading so I can understand I don't just pass through it. And I'm like, oh, he didn't eat all, all day. He didn't drink. They beat him badly in the morning. He had the thorns on his head. His whole wound, his body is wounded. He had been falling down. He must be thirsty. Forget about the, the pictures we see in the church on the cross. Take it from the Bible. Imagine what that was like on the cross. He had nails in his body. He must have been shaking, have lost all the blood. He must have been swelling. This is about three o'clock. They have been beating him since morning. He must have wounds mixed with dust and, and, and blood. And the more I looked at that, I'm like, oh, this is bad. I am still hiding. But look what he's going through. He has nails in his body and his whole body is pulling. Pinch yourself. It hurts. Imagine what that is to have nails and to make it worse. His mother is watching. She's standing right there. Not hoping that he will survive as I was maybe waiting for him to take his last breath. The pain of a mother. You don't even want to hear you. your child sick, coughing, and is a little bit hurt. And her child is dying. It's more pain for him to watch his mother knowing what she's going through. And for the mother, watching the son, knowing the pain and the sadness he feels too, watching her. Even is one thing I thank God for during this genocide was that it was my mom who died first. She did not have to live to hear how they killed her sons. She did not have to hear how they killed her husband. 
And God protected her from that. And I'm grateful for that. Our lady was not protected from that. The more I saw their pain, I'm like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm still in the bathroom. You, this is bad. Like my pain was becoming nothing. And I remember asking Jesus, why did you have to go through this? You were God. You could have saved us in a second. You didn't have to live 33 years with us in this misery. If you gave me power for one second, I would have killed the whole tribe. Eight million people. But he wouldn't even say a bad word. Why? I felt, let me ask him. Because he was answering in some ways. I felt like he was, speak, like he was speaking back. I felt as if he was telling me, I went through this because I love you. Because I care for you. I went through this, lived your life to give you example. Not just by words, but to show you what life might offer. So that if you are ever not well loved, rejected, not cared for, put to suffer, spoken bad about, rumors, gossip, whatever that might be, if you ever go through anything close to what I went through, remember, I was here before you. Learn from me. What did I do in my own ordeal? Did I insult people like you're doing? Did I want to kill anybody as you're trying to do? Learn from me. In that moment, I felt like he was talking to me personally. I felt like he was telling me that people are trying to kill you. They don't even measure the consequences that will come to them. And you want to do like them? You hate what they do. And yet you want to be a killer like them? And I'm like, you're right. How did I end up being convinced to be like them? And yet I want to be worse than them. You insult me, I insult you more. You hit me, I hit you more. You kill me, I will kill you more. That's what I felt becoming a better person, a hero is, to hurt more. And all of a sudden, like, he's, he's right. And all of a sudden, it was like a veil was unveiled. I can see how much strength do I have to kill 8 million people anyway? If I kill a soldier, and I'm a soldier, I throw one grenade, maybe I have never even touched one, never touched a gun in my life. Maybe they will throw one on me too, and I will die. And how did I want to do that? Because if I do, I will hurt innocent people as I am being victimized. And all of a sudden, everything became clear. It was as if the world became like two parts, a part of love and a part of hate. And we had to choose which part to be on. And I kept reading the mess, what our Lord was speaking about when he's dying, forgiving a thief who was there and giving us his mother, a treasure he had. Even when he's struggling with his last breath, he still think about us. Behold your mother. I love her so much. I want you to, to have her. She will help you as she has helped me. He is not dying with anger. And what took me by surprise when he said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. Look at that. It wasn't the first part that broke my heart open. It was the second. 
they don't know what they do. I felt like he was telling me, people are killing you. They don't even measure the consequences that will come to them. They will not be able to live with their own consciences. Don't be like them. All of a sudden, I felt like a huge luggage was lifted. You're right. They don't know what they do. They will put themselves through these consequences. I don't need to be like them. I felt free. I can see the pain of our Lord over his own children who still have a chance also to change. And if my prayers, which I believed, can change situation, now I realize I can also pray for killers to change. Imagine somebody killing somebody, begging them for mercy, and still take their life. The day they will wake up and realize what they have done. I did not want to be like them. And I know God can forgive them if they wake up. If I pray hard, they will wake up. But I do not want to be in their shoes. I felt free. Those who read my book, Left to Tell, I started to learn English when I was sitting in the bathroom. Because now that the anger was gone, I felt like my body was lifting from, from the ground in that bathroom. I felt like everything was good. The sickness of anger... With the obsession of like, I would do this, I would do that. It was all gone. Even if I stopped praying, my mind was healed. I wouldn't be feeling about the bad things I was going to do. Before we came outside of the bathroom, before the war was over, I had a dream. And I had a dream about our Lord. I felt like he was with me through the prayer I was saying. And the dream was, he was as if he was on the cross but there was no cross. But he was skinny. And he was sad. There was no much light. He was sad. And then he told me, my child, when you come out, you will find out that everyone you left behind had been killed. To this day, to tell the truth, I was hoping somebody in my family was hiding somewhere as I was. And he said, when you come out, you will find out everyone has been killed. And then he said two things. However, if you continue to love me and to trust me, I will be there for you and I will do for you more than what your parents could have been able to do for you. And he hit exactly to the what the deepest of my worries. My deepest worry was, even if I live, how can I be without any family member? I don't know the lands of my parents. We have no money. The house is destroyed. What does it matter to live anyway in a situation like that? And Jesus spoke exactly to that. If you continue to love me and to trust me, I will be there for you and I will do for you more than what your parents could have been able to do for you. And remember in a dream I said, if you take care of me, who else do I need? And when I woke up, I said, what? I said yes to that. I could have asked him not to let them go. And I convinced myself it was just a dream. But three months we spent in that bathroom was over. The bad guys have run away from the country. And the way the war was over, the genocide was ended by people of my tribe who were outside of the country and the people from the other tribe. 
They captured the capital. That's how we came out. The very first night, I came out. I was a skeleton. I went in that bathroom. I was 115 pounds. I came out. I was 65 pounds. Every bone was out. Two bones here. Two bones on my finger. A skeleton. But my heart was big. I felt so much more beautiful. And the very first night I came out, I had rushed to find out what happened to my family. And I found out the dream of our Lord was not just a dream. Everybody I left behind was killed. I found out my mom was killed, my dad, my two brothers, my grandma, my grandpa, uncles, aunts, cousins, neighbors, schoolmates, best friends, everybody was killed. Except the brother who was outside of the country and a few people in the family. I remember thinking, what do you do when this happened to you? I've never felt anyone have gone through this. And I remember I threw the rosary on the side. I don't want to pray. It makes me feel too good in an almost not normal. Like I just lost everything. I'm supposed to fall apart, not to feel good and strong inside. Couldn't even again think of who to compare it with. And I remember crying and screaming for like five minutes. And then I felt as if there was like a giant hand in my heart. Something holding me tight. Something reminding me, hey, the journey of your loved ones is over here on earth, but not in heaven. And your journey is not over yet. And you don't know how long it's going to be. It might be one more day, one year, 10 years, 50, 60, one hour. But whatever that is, remember, only God knows. What is in your power is to use every moment to do good, to love. And if you choose hate, then you're separated from God. You can choose kindness or choose to be mean. And then you are away from God. But if you choose love, kind, compassion, using your life for something, your strength as much as you have, to do something constructive, remember, I am with you. Ask me for anything you need. I will give it to you. I literally came out of my tears right away and stopped. And I remembered, you're right. I don't know how long I'm going to live. And the truth is, nobody among us have a guarantee even for one more day to live. Again, we just take it for granted. And I'm like, if I die, I don't want to die like this, in these tears. And you're right, there is heaven. I don't want to go to face Jesus in judgment, just crying like this. Let me do something good. And I started to work around in the refugee camp without clothes, one clothes to wear for the past three months. Nothing else to change. I'm like, how do I love somebody? I have not even a clothes to give them. I felt like God was saying, well, you can love people in many different ways. Look at that child. There were people who still have open wounds from the machetes they cut them during the genocide. Survivors. And there is no medicine. It's just bleeding. Open wounds, swelling. And I felt like God was saying... Go sit beside that kid. Ask him how he feels. 
look in his eyes like somebody who cares. If you did that, you have done your part. You have loved somebody. There was people, like one woman who couldn't remember what day it is. She just lost all her children, her husband, her parents. She lost her mind. She's just talking. She thinks they are somewhere they're coming. And she just wants to talk and talk, talk. And I felt like God was saying, go sit beside her. Let her talk to you just to feel she has company. You don't need to understand or to enjoy whatever conversation. If you do it out of love, you have done your part today. Every evening, I will pick up my rosary, look to the sky, and tell God, pray my rosary, and I will tell God, if you choose to, choose to take me today, I have tried. I have done my part. I have loved somebody with what I had. And every morning I would wake up, I'm like, I'm still here. Let me do the same. Let me care for somebody. Use the strength I have. And every day I wake up with different strength. I didn't have a clothes to wear at that time. But now I do. And I have to think about who do I share them with? How many shoes can I have? You know, can I wear or give away some others? And every single day to this day, and I truly believe this is the calling of every human being. We will be asked from how we have been given. And this is not about money. It's about your physical strength, your capacity to smile, your capacity to talk, to give comfort. Because there are people who can't talk. There are people laying right in hospital who can't move. But you can. What are you using your strength for? To serve your family, to serve your friend, to serve your community, your parish. I will never forget one time I met President Bush. Uh, he was still president that time. And my book, Left to Tell, have just came out and became really known very quickly. And he told me, I read your book. It has taught me how to deal with the genocide was going on in Darfur, in Sudan. And I was taken back like, you're right, he's the president. He has more power to care, to do good. Wow, somebody who can change the face of a country because that's the power he has. And that's true. Some of you here are doctors. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are, have stores. What you sell to sell your, your, your community. And each one of us have asked ourselves, what are we doing? Are we just don't care? Or are we caring? We are mothers, wives, husbands, children. Am I being a good sister? Am I being, being a good brother? Am I being a good dad? Am I trying my best to give? Because it's all about love. And what do you use today? And after that, we all have to report to God. And when I moved here, I mean, the second part in my life I, I love very much is what I wrote in my second book, Led by Faith. I wrote about the first book, Left to Tell, was really about the whole drama of the genocide. But after to see God in your life when you have nothing. When you have nobody to count on. The power of prayer. That's what I put in that second book, Led by Faith. I mean, I will write letters to God. This is after the genocide. And I will tell him, I need clothes to change. And I will give a whole list. Not anymore take things for granted. When I tell him I need a bed, I didn't assume it would come with a mattress. 
So I will tell him I need a bed, a mattress, bed sheet, a blanket, and a pillow. Yeah, when we ask things to God, we think like, he should know. No, you tell him. And then when you look back, you can say, wow, you did it. So you can be thankful. So we write him little things. And this is a funny, I mean, God is so good. I really encourage you to be strong in your faith. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible. Go to Mass. Go to confession. Like, let your faith be real. One of the things I remember writing, among many, many things, I wrote again many stories in my books. One of the things I remember telling God on my list, I want clothes to change. And I'm laughing at myself. Where the clothes will come from? There's no market open. I'm like behind the forest. The dead bodies everywhere. A million people died. It was a horrible scene. What was going on? And this is what happened. But I'm talking to God. We can do all things. I just tell him what I need. And I felt like God was saying, you don't need to ask for too much. If you leave tomorrow, I'm still there. You can ask me what you need then. We really don't need to grab and give me, give me and this. Just Then I make sure I'm fine. God is still there always. So anyway, I ask him for clothes and this is how I got my face clothes to change. A friend of mine from my school who got the scholarship in Belgium, she sent me an envelope. Sweet, sweet lady. We are still very good friends. So she sent me a big envelope. She put in an envelope a jeans, a t-shirt, and a dress. And she put a note. She said, I have heard many people in our school who died, but nobody confirmed to me that you are dead. In case you are still alive, you must need some clothes. She's in Belgium. I'm writing to God. God, I need clothes to change. <laughs> so this envelope, she doesn't know where I am. She went to the airport with an envelope with just my name. And then she's looking for anybody going to Rwanda, trusting God will find a way. She gave it to a soldier because nobody else was coming to Rwanda. Guess what? That envelope reached my refugee camp. And this soldier is like, well, this lady told me everybody knows each other in Rwanda. And she told me to give it to anybody. And she gave it to the refugee camp. It came to me. I'm like, it's me. I'm like, this is my name. I'm like, what? And I remember going to the list I have to God. I'm like, you send clothes. And I'm like, yep, you did it. Every day I would go back like, I need food to eat. I don't know what I'm eating tonight. And somehow somebody would drop bread and something. I'm like, yeah, thank you for the meal tonight. You send it. But to think that God will take clothes from Belgium and in an envelope without an address and he will still find you. I'm like, oh, of course he's God. Slowly the things again that happen. The way I found my first job in the United Nations, a lady who took me to her home from the refugee camp, who never, I never knew her, never knew me. She only knew my mom and happened to be there, and then my first job, how I came to this country, how I published my first book, Left to Tell, or oh, every discouragement. By this time, I moved to United States, 1998, and I started to work with United Nations. It wasn't easy also. I had to do interviews. And one of the things, I love people laugh at this, one of the things I remember when I was doing interviews, you know, I'm new in the country, I really wanted the job so bad and just to start life. So they, were, they shortlisted us, like five people, and finally they shortlisted two people. 
And you know what I did? I started to pray for that lady who was doing interview with me to find the job somewhere else. <laughs> you can't hate somebody and think you're praying to God. I'm like, God, give her a better job somewhere else. Pay her more. Give her everything better. But I want this one. <laughs> you cannot pray to God in a hateful you can't pray that another person will strip and fall down and you think you're talking to God. Remember, they are also his children. So that's really something I'm like, oh, no, okay, no, give her more, better. And I think she found another job, so I got the job. <laughs> so I wrote the book in 19, uh, 2006 and the book came out again. Oh, that bad voice is always there. You will never publish. Who will trust you? You're from Africa. Who would care about that? You don't even speak good English. I'm like, I know. Because that voice comes like you, being reasonable. And I would stop. But then when I would say my daily rosary, going to mass, confession, the sweet voice would come back and say, you go and do your part and you trust God. Remember, he's almighty. You follow what you wish to do and ask him for help. And I did, I'm not kidding, I met the person who helped me to publish, who asked me to write a book after he heard about my story for like two minutes, three days after I finished writing the book. And they're like, can you write a book? I'm like, I just finished. And for three months, I'm praying to God to help me find somebody. God is so good. And the book came out, became really quickly New York Times bestseller. And since then, I resigned the work in the UN and go around and share my story. But especially what I love about my faith is really to share, to share my faith. That's all. That's all I want to do. I, the story I lived is a part of it, but what I share is my faith. And God has a sense of humor. He takes me to places where they don't believe in him. And they want me to talk about my story, how God saved me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you about the rosary. But like, yeah, just explain to us what that is in many different places, and I'm so grateful that God have really put me in those kind of places. One of the things I want to share, as I spoke to you in the, meaning, in the beginning, Our Lady of Kibeho, who have been approved so far by the Vatican, taught us a rosary. A rosary called Seven Sorrows Rosary. She said, this rosary does not replace the other rosary. But she said, the world have forgotten about this. And she promised many blessings. So if you see, this is a rosary that have seven Hail Marys. And the sorrows are the first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon. The second, the flight into Egypt when Herod wanted to kill people, the baby Jesus. The third, the loss of our Lord in the temple for three days. Our Lady will look for Jesus and Saint Joseph. The fourth, when she made him on the way to the cross. The fifth, when she was under the cross, the sixth, when she held him and he was dead, and the seventh, when they placed him in a tomb. Our lady said, this is a gift of our time. And she said it always existed, but we need it more than ever today because people have forgotten about this. So she taught exactly how to say it to the visionary in Rwanda. And she used to tell us, my children, help me, help me to spread this devotion to the seven sorrows. As a child, I would say, I will help you. And I would laugh later. I'm like, how can I help you? 
I just have my friends I can teach it to, but nobody else. And to think like today I travel around the world and every single week I speak to people like you and I have to speak about it and share. I am so grateful that actually God, he does all the work. We are willing, he does all the work. So I have, when I started to spread these seven sorrows, and please, if you hear it, if you like it, if you get to say it, help our lady. She's sending all of us to help. If you can say it with your husband, your wife, your, you know, your friend, please, it is a beautiful rosary, and she will bless you for helping her. I have seen so many miracles through this. But when I started, I used to ask, my lady, do some miracle, because I have so many miracles about the other rosary, so many. I love it, I, our daily rosary. But this one, I'm like, do some miracles so I can encourage other people with also teaching them what did to them. And I started to have miracles happening. I see many in different categories, but especially in three categories that people always share. One of them are people who heal from addictions. And our lady have said she would change the most hardened hearts, addictions. So you think about her sorrows, she will take care of you. And she used to say, don't say this rosary running through it. Meditate. Imagine, what if it was you whose child was on the cross? What if it was you who have lost your child for three days? What would you feel? And our lady keeps pushing you because she wants us to open our hearts. And the more you open your heart to feel for her, you also open yours. So one of the big miracles I have heard is people who hear from addictions. One lady told me her daughter was on heroin, was literally on a street. And she was a young girl, like 20 years old from college. She just lost everything. And her, this lady told me, I'm going to say it every day for my daughter. If it works out, I will bring her to give a testimony to people, wherever you will be. This was in Kansas City. A year later, this lady brought her daughter and to give a testimony where I spoke. And what happened was, she said, it looks like she had overdose or something terrible happened that she found herself in emergency. And then in the emergency, from there, she went through the healing and she never went back on the street and she stopped the drugs. And she said, this is what she gave a testimony. She lost everything, her clothes, her bag. The only thing she found herself with in emergency was the seven sorrows in her hands. Her mother put in her hands when she was on the street. So, so many emails I get, people say like, I've been saying it for my daughter, for my son, and this have happened. So I praise God for this beautiful rosary and for those, of course, miracles. Another big miracle I love, I love children. <laughs> love, love babies. Since I was a child, my neighbors used to come to tell me where a baby was born so I can go to hold the baby. <laughs> so I love children. Of course, and we must love the children. We were all babies, you know, and that's life God gives us. So one of the big miracles Our Lady had been doing through this devotion are people have been trying to conceive and couldn't. What a great gift our dear mother gives us. You know, when now people are giving order and the law, it's okay to kill your own child, Our Lady is giving us a gift for those who couldn't conceive to give them a gift of babies. I literally have like 65 cases of people who have conceived after 10 years, 7 years, 4 years, different all over the world, really. And what a beautiful thing. So, sometimes people, I mean, 
many miracles. But this is funny. A man one time, he came after I spoke. He goes like, I heard what you spoke about that rosary. I'm like, good. I'm glad you did. And then he said, well, me and my wife, we have seven children in nine years. And then he told me, I just told my wife, I don't want to see that rosary in my home. I'm like, no, you're supposed to pray for your children now. It's not about that. That was funny. But I'm sure I understand. So another big miracle that happened a lot are people who heal from different sicknesses. Again, our lady have promised. This is hard for me to say as a person, but when I stand on the words of the mother of God, I can say this and have seen it. One lady was, she had pancreatic cancer, stage four. She wrote to me and she said, after she heard about this, they have given her two months to live. She started to say this rosary every day, called her whole family every day, seven sorrows, talking and meditating. Two months later, she was still there. She went to see a doctor, no trace of the cancer in her body, in her blood. So I have seen many miracles like this, and I pray, anytime I pray, I pray for all of you. So for those who will get it, who will start this devotion, please remember to pray for everybody. People suffer a lot. When I started to do this ministry, when I'm signing books, people share their pain. When I write me letters, what have happened? We need hope. And we need prayers. And we need one another, all of us. Our lady used to say, everybody who lives on earth, we all go through some kind of suffering. And nobody goes to heaven without having to go through some carrying a cross. So we need to pray for one another. Even when we think everybody else is good, you don't know if this is good, what has not been so good. Just to remember to pray for everybody. And not compare our pain with other people's pain. Somebody can say, wow, you went through that, that's terrible. And it was terrible. But then I have seen people also who have killed themselves for something you think is small. So it's really not about what happened, how small is how you feel. When people tell you they feel bad, they need prayers, pray for them. No matter what it is, they are suffering. For them, it might be so big. And then you learn to pray for everybody anyway, because everyone is going through something. And as I share with you, our lady telling us about the genocide in Rwanda, what I really got from her was her love, her sweetness. Was such a mother. I, would, I never taught Our Lady God the same way I did until after the genocide, until after she appeared in Rwanda. One time, you know, the visionaries, the investigators of the church, I remember they told uh, the visionary, they said, You talk to Mary like she's your mother. She's your mother, we know that, but you have to be respectful. Remember, she's also the queen of heaven and earth. Because they would call her darling, sweetheart. They would dance for her. And then the girl was like, I know what you mean. When you see her, you can't even talk to her without going on your knees because she's too beautiful and she's clothed in the glory. But I think we are talking about a different lady. Because <laughs> the lady you're talking about sounds stiff. But the one I talk to, she's the one who asked me to take a deep breath. To come closer. She nicknamed me. She gives me sweet words to come closer to her when I'm scared because she's too beautiful and she's too pure. But she's the one who asked me, it's okay, take a deep breath. 
She's such a good mom like that. If you read the book, Our Lady of Kibeho, I truly encourage you to please, if you want to come one time to Kibeho, some people here have come to Kibeho and visit, but especially above all, love Our Lady. I heard a joke, this is a joke, but it sounds like what I got to find out about Our Lady. And somebody said how one time Our Lord was working in heaven, as he does, and he saw so many people coming suddenly in, in heaven. And then he went to Peter, remember it's a joke, he went to Peter, who have the key to the gate of heaven, and he said, Peter, how come there are so many people today in heaven, unusual number? He said, are you checking them well? And Peter said, my Lord, I'm checking them well, but your mother, she opened the back door. <laughs> I don't think Mary will get us in dirty, you know, just because we're her children, but I promise you, if you love her, she will teach you how to get there. She will teach you how to pray for our priest, not to judge them, to pray for them. She will teach you how to go to confession much more often so that you clean up. She will teach you how to be humble. She will teach you how to say the rosary. So you think about the whole rose, the Bible, even in one sitting. She will teach you to fast, to love other people, to serve other people. She knows how to get there. So I really do encourage you. Love our lady. I mean, love your mother. You can never love your mother too much not to love your dad. And you can never love your dad too much not to love your mother. We have such a capacity to love that she is the best way to our Lord, the best way to heaven, and such a sweet way. I speak a lot with the visionaries, one of them who have the apparitions of Jesus and Our Lady, and please God forgive me for saying this. But anyhow, so she told me, she said, you know, this is how she can compare the apparitions of Jesus and Our Lady. She said, imagine we have like a wound and there is like, a, like something covering, how do you call it? Like a something to cover, a plaster, like to cover the wound and a bandage. Yes, a bandage on the wound. And then this is how our Lord comes. So it's bad, they need to remove the bandage. But it's going to hurt. So she told me, this is how our Lord comes. She comes and he comes and looks like, oh, it's bad. We, remo- we need to remove this. And he goes like, he removed it. And this is what our lady goes like. She goes like a little bit and go like, and put air. And then she removes a little bit more. Like, yeah, look there. And she moves more. Look, wow, what's going on there? And she moves more. She's like, she's exactly a mother. And our Lord told us in Kibeho, she said, he said himself, we gave her to you out of mercy for us, for you. So that she can be between our justice and you. She can take care of you. She's a gift to you and yet you put her aside. But she's a gift from God. Because God knows her heart. He's the one who created her heart with mercy and love. So when you pray your rosary, love her, feel for her. When you're speaking about her joy, take a little moment to feel that joy she felt so that you can unite your heart with hers. When you feel about her sorrow, take a little moment. Feel how she felt so that you can be together. You know, you can't cry with somebody and you're laughing and somebody's crying and I'm like, but I'm here. 
with, I'm near you. You want to be where they are. And you think about the glory? Yeah, big glory. He went to heaven. See what happened. It's like a party, every mystery. He's resurrected. He's going to heaven. The descent of the Holy Spirit is beautiful and amazing. Be a part of that. So uh, it's so good. I can talk about Our Lady forever. So anyway, before I end, I, I do credit her, my, my surviving. I would not be here today. I would not be here today if I have not come to say the rosary. If I have not held on to her mantle. To feel what she taught me. Think about this. Think about my son on the cross. Say this prayer. It's her rosary. She taught us. But everything is about her son, who is our, our life, the way and the truth. Before I end, I want to thank you. And again, if please you ever want to come with me on a pilgrimage, you can always go to my website, my first name, immaculate.com, and come with me. But before I end, I want to say this. I want to thank you again so much for having me. This is, I, I, do, the, I do the best work. I used to come feel not good when I used to work with United Nations. I'm like, this is it. This is my life. This is where I would end. And now I feel like, thank you. I'm home. This is what I want to do until I die. And I don't want to retire ever. To speak about faith. To speak about Jesus. To speak about Mary. It's just beautiful. To speak about the rosary. How nice that is. So, but before I end, you know, I know I'm speaking to you as a group, but the truth is I'm speaking to individuals. All of you, we are each one of us, our own people. And each one of us, we have our own crosses. We bear, we carry. And I just want to say, from my heart to yours individually, whatever you might be going through, whatever you might be facing, whatever prayers and your needs are now, please remember, there is always hope with God. Don't give up prayer. Keep opening your heart. See where God leads you, but keep praying. God is almighty. Our Lord told us in the Bible, ask, it shall be given. Knock, the door will be open. Don't open only or knock when you are even just crying, but also knock when you need, but keep knocking. Don't knock the wrong door. Knock the door of our Lord. Because he's almighty. And lastly, I've gone to the prison. I've met people who have killed my family. And I truly offered them forgiveness. It wasn't hard. What was hard was the, the journey to understand to forgive. Once you understand it, you're like, oh, it's done. Then when I met them, I'm like, here I am. I'm a friend. And it was hard for them actually to accept it. And what I want to say, again, we all go through pain. People hurt us willingly or unwillingly. And we hurt other people too. We have to remember to apologize. But what I want to say, if I can forgive, anyone can forgive. Please, dare to go there. There's so much peace. When you pray, let go that anger. Ask God, our lady, to go deep in your heart to remove even the pain and the anger you have buried deep down. Sometimes we think we forgive and then we haven't. As I was begging God to help me. But ask, even that will be given. Thank you so much. Please pray for me. 
and I will pray for you. Thank you.